0: You guys ever get hemorrhoids? Mm-hmm. You? Yeah. Great. And on that, well, I know we're already recording over here two. from playing drums. Seriously, Damn. like when you when you play drums for over an hour, and you sweat, like it can fuck up your ass. So pretty bad because I clap, and we're gonna cut that first part. Or
1: you gotta say what you actually get from sweating playing the drums.
0: People get hemorrhoids.
1: Uh, okay. Yeah. I Guys? mean, I'm guilty of it. Anyone who's potentially listening who plays the drums and sweats a lot, you ever get hemorrhoids from playing the drums?
0: I, su- I mean, look, I sweat like a maniac. You know this. I work out with you and I sweat like crazy. But, like, when you're, when you're playing drums and you're, like, you think about the seat. Mm-hmm. It's like a th- you know, leather throne. Oh, so
1: it all, it's like a pool.
0: Well, no, it's not really a pool. It's just, like, and you're moving and bouncing. Like, your butthole keeps getting spread open, like, kind of back and forth. Especially God, when n- next play time I like,
1: perform, that's all I'm going to be yeah, thinking about. Now, Jordan,
0: about. you're a drummer, and you play live. I don't
1: sweat like Matt sweats, though, I even when I work out. Yeah, it's different. It is different. I sweat a lot. It takes me so much to get that good sweat going,
0: and I miss it. But I, I try to take precaution. I use baby powder.
1: Wow. Really? Where? Wow. In your butt?
0: Yeah, you just pat like a little bit of your Like taint area into the butt, all of it? Yeah, be- it, yeah because if not, you're going <laughs> to be a really unhappy customer. I understand. If you think about it, I gotta play. I gotta sit on my butt every night, and play drums and sweat, and it's it's a it's a you know. It's a Do thing you ever
1: smell the seat afterwards?
0: I can't say I have. I know someone who would love to smell the seat of a specific drummer, but I can't say names on either side. But if he's listening to this, they know what's. He up. knows exactly <laughs> who I'm talking. <laughs> who about. Who makes your throne? Don't comment and tell us it's you. Uh, the throne that I typically use is actually. Uh, Tama.
1: Okay. Shout Maybe like Tama. they can create some sort of like sweat resistant or like well, a, like a pee pee pad. Well, what, Tama isn't e- I don't even play Chaps. Tama drums.
0: I, I play Mapex, but we should probably not talk about that.
1: Okay. Ugh. Well, some drum companies <laughs> missing like a massive opportunity.
0: Yeah. You could have like a, you could make chaps well, you play naked see the reason that i said that i that i use the Tom of throne is to just help amplify the point that i've made to everybody at mapex already they they're very aware of my disdain for their uh current thrones but here's the cool part this is where it gets awesome they're making brand new thrones and new hardware in in, in certain ways that will be much better
1: are there any artist endorsed thrones
0: not that I'm aware of. There is a throne out there called the Carmichael throne, which is, it's supposed to be really supportive for your spine. So like, think of, think of the throne as a circle, and it's like thick padding, but down the middle there's a strip that's like, that's hollowed out. That so dangerous. So you sit with your cheeks on, on either side of the leather padding, mm-hmm. but in the middle where your spine mm-hmm. would touch the seat, mm-hmm. it's, it's floating so okay. your spine isn't compressed. Okay. And I used it for a little bit, and I like it, but I think I've just spent so much time playing drums on, on traditional thrones that that's really what feels good. And, yeah. That's what
1: about the back? That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, I don't, I don't, never, I don't weird? like the back. It's weird, I'm not right? a fan of the back. That reminds me of, Aesthetically like... Aesthetically, um, it's weird. Like Mick Fleetwood. Or, like, um, Carter... Buford? Yeah, Dave Matthews band. Yeah,
0: I feel yeah, like Carter he would have a
1: nice... Yeah, you know, he wears golf golf gloves when Wait, he does plays. Does he use a back? I I don't know. Like, it,
0: it, I would think he does. That's it's the really, equivalent of like hanging really nice. out at a
1: cigar bar, right? Well, it's really nice. for some
0: drummers. It really does add a, a certain level of stability. Postural. yeah, There's because some drummers wave. some drummers do play very uh, like their bodies are very much like ninety degree kind of position, like right. where they're they're right. yeah, nice and erect, out. yeah. And it helps to have that, but I just move too much, and I don't. Honestly, though, it is nice in between songs to just lean back. Yeah, I would feel like
1: you would get this like gangster lean going on. You'd like be falling, uh, you know. You'd be like playing your drums.
0: It sounds nice. Do you uh, see? I don't think you maybe remember this. You remember there's a there's a drummer and an educator. His name's Bob Gatson, Mm -mm. really famous dude. He invented, I think he invented it, this big frame that drummers like Will Kennedy. We're using, and and it's like it's basically a rack, but you sit in the rack, and the drums are mounted in the rack that that you're sitting on, and the whole thing is perfectly combined. So, like, you kind of I'll just show you pictures. It sounds like like Tommy Lee and
1: Travis Barker getting strapped into the set, and like then the kid
0: starts doing flips. Is that where it comes from? There was a Dennis Chambers Tony Royster video that was pretty famous that came out, and I'm pretty sure either they're both using it or Tony's using it, but yeah, I forget what it's called. I'm imagining the two of them
1: like playing with each other, just doing front flips over and over again while doing, like, you know,
0: they didn't do snare the front drum flips. stuff. They didn't do the front flips, but it's a great video. I mean, okay, we'll two check legends that. playing drums together. Well, yeah. But one of them is in this rack that it's pretty awesome. Did you ever have a Gibraltar rack with a bunch of things? I never had a Gibraltar rack. I used to, like, play Pearl drums when I was yeah. a kid, and I had the Pearl Icon rack, which was like Same this. Same thing? No. See, the Gibraltar ones are cylindrical. Mm-hmm. Whereas the pearl ones are like they're square, Mm -hmm. so it's a totally different kind of clamp. It's a totally different vibe, and how they connect is different. It's it's just different thing. I
1: wonder if any of the bands playing the Warp Tour will have one of those
0: racks, or will do
1: like a front rolling flip over the crowd.
0: There are some more metal bands on the Warp Tour this summer, so that's it's possible. Potential. Like Chris Adler uses a Gibraltar rack, I'm pretty sure, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't. It's not like it doesn't like flip upside down. Right, right, right. But that's a um, whole different beast. Yeah. I think, I think it's I think it's funny it. that you know what a Gibraltar rack is.
1: Come on, man. I was in a band with like... I could see... When you when were in like high 12. school, I could see you being the guy who had that. Though.
0: That's how I feel, yeah. Well, again, I had the Pearl Icon Rack, which was a direct <laughs> competitor <laughs> yeah, to the Gibraltar rack. I had, and, and I, I had a I think, stupid big drum kit that was totally inappropriate. Right. But I feel like what, when you're young, you think that more, more, is, more. more
1: is more, right? There's oh, no like, jazz
0: kit. Do you remember the sound guy, Derek? Um, he was yeah, like... venues. He would work at Fletcher's every now and then. He was like, until you got to know him, he would always look pissed. He was like a black dude. Had like, like kind of like a rat tail kind of thing. Did he play bass and chicken shit? Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. No, 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 no. no. But I remember my very, very first gig was Spinfire. We were opening. At
1: Fletcher's? No,
0: it was, I don't even know where it was. I can't remember. It was like down Glen Burnie or somewhere, somewhere down the Beltway a bit. Right. And I show up with like, Huge rack, rota toms on the left, three front rack toms, <laughs> two floor toms, eight thousand cymbals, and this dude Derek who's For like a pop and rock the, band, and, right. there, and we're the opening band. <laughs> like, and how long Derek, did it take to set up? Well, it didn't take me that long to set up because I I was like, uh, you know, nerd no drummer's here with my fishing. big rack. I know how to set this up perfectly. Yeah, that's what I was doing, but right. but um. Derek's like, he sees me doing it, he's just shaking his head, and he's like, God damn it. He's like, God "God damn it. Did he have enough mics? Well, he had enough mics, but the whole point was like, he said to me, he's like, you're going to learn real quick, kid. Right. And I was like, what? This guy's a dick. And then I realized that he was right. Yeah, man. And then I remember, I don't know, a couple months later, we played Fletcher's, and I used a much smaller kit, and he was like, yeah, you learn <laughs> huh? it. And then we like He's hit like it off. the we old hit, wise men. Then right. we hit it off really well, really well because, I, you know, I actually listened to him. Right.
1: Right. Well, Jordan, I know, was never really into like gear, whereas I was super into gear. And when I first got some money and I could go out and buy the big 8x10 speaker cabinet, I bought, I bought the 8-inch rack and filled it up with things because they were pretty. I had lights, you know, and I was into that. But you start to realize that like all you really need is one good amp into one good speaker with one good instrument. Plug, 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 and you're good to go. Is that
0: less is more? Less is more. I mean, yeah. I kind of went extreme with that, too, with the f- kick, snare, floor tom. Well, I've make. always
1: liked the less is more, not only yeah. in you the gear. You do less is more with gear, Yeah, too. I mean, so sometimes I get it down where I'm just playing just the floor tom, and my ride will become my crash also. Uh, but even in composition where instead of thinking every whatever eight measures or every 16 measures or because a chorus kicks in that I have to crash because that's just what everyone else does for some songs that I've recorded I was like what if I only crashed three times in a three and a half minute song then every time I hit that crash symbol it's gonna mean so much more makes sense
0: yeah that's really interesting if you've actually said it like that like made that rule mm-hmm. that's pretty cool that's stuff that I'm sure you've talked to your students about your drum students about that's stuff I talk about too is like set limitations mm-hmm. with creativity, mm-hmm. well specifically on the drums, but in general with creativity, so that you can kind of be forced to to paint within the rules right you know, and it helps you to be more focused and play better sometimes but yeah. yeah and and the colors you use, like the symbol ends up being way more
1: uh it means I- more it means more yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember teaching people that. You can have this whole arsenal bag of tricks, but you're not going to use them often. You might use one once in a song, especially as a bass player, and you're trying to hold down the, you're like the, the bridge between everybody, whatever rhythmically is going on, because you guys can't play notes, and we got to lock with everyone else, right? So if you do that one thing, at least people will go back and like, oh, what was that? What was that? I didn't hear it a bunch of times. So let me go find it, which is always exciting.
0: I have a lot of good words, but I should probably talk less. See? It's like that. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I have tons of words in my bag of tricks up here, but sure. Music is
1: the ultimate metaphor.
0: Yeah. It is.
1: It's the same thing we're doing now, just communicating.
0: Yeah. When I listen back to our podcast, though, Mm -hmm. or like when we've had conversations in the past we've recorded, I'm like, shut the fuck up, Matt. God, stop. You're also kind of, or
1: not kind of, but you're hard on yourself when it comes to this stuff and other things in life. That's okay. And at least least, there's a balance, though. It's good
0: to be critical. Of
1: course, because you want to be better.
0: Yeah, right, totally.
1: But not to the point, and I'm not saying that this is what you do, but where you're just like in a state of constant judgment and beating yourself up. Because then you wouldn't say anything today. No. Which is obviously what we're not. We don't want that.
0: No, we don't have that problem, though. We just, uh, for me personally, I, I just talk a lot. So uh, I want to be, I had a dream, actually. That's did I my tell you about, problem. Did I tell you about this dream that I had? Where, no. um, okay, the dream was, I forget who I was with. Maybe I was with my roommate, Sam.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we have a friend named Steve who, in the dream, he, like, committed a crime of some kind. Like, he's like a, he was, like, a bodyguard, and he, like, had to kill someone, or he was, like, a hitman, he had to kill someone. And I knew about it. Okay. And we, the three of us went out to eat. And I was, like, at the table talking to him about it. So I was like, so what what did you do? How was it? And he's just looking at me, like, shaking his head. And Sam's, like, kicking me on the table. Shut the fuck up. Right? He's, like, telling me to shut up. And, like, when I woke up from that dream, I was, like, scared because I thought that, like, that Steve was going to kill me because I was blabbing too much. And the moral of the story was just shut your mouth more. Like, that's what I took away from that dream.
1: Okay. As a licensed therapist, that gave me so much information into your unconscious psyche, Matt. I want to. Okay, let's for do me. It, let's it talk was actually it. really. I've never heard Matt do voices. He just he like went really soft for a minute, and then he yeah. You're a up. good storyteller, man. That was nice. Thanks. And it all. What the dream connects to what you were saying about using a drum rack as a child. <laughs> it all makes sense now. Yeah.
0: Go on. That's I'm it. done. I'm done. That you're oh, you're okay. very he's, like cut He's and dry using case less right words there. now. He's, do you, do I mean? I wonder if everybody wants you to psychoanalyze me, though, now based on that dream and what you know. I don't know. Okay. With that, with
1: that, no, it, honestly, if you're going to do that type of dream work, because I'm in therapy and I will sometimes process my dreams, it's not so much about the content in the dream, it's about the feelings. So when you wake up and you're feeling a certain way, or sometimes you'll have a dream that kind of rocks you for whatever reason, and... The energy, the feeling of the dream stays with you throughout the morning or for longer. So it's more about going into the feelings instead of the people, the places, the things.
0: My ex used to like make fun of me because I would have a bad dream and I would tell her about it, and then it would bother me throughout the day, or even a couple days. And I'd, I'd like comment like, "Man, I'm still off from that dream." She'd be like, "Oh, shut up! Like it's a dream." But it did affect me. It's real. Yeah, it's and th- real that's feelings. unfortunate it's real. she's trying to tell you that your feelings are not valid. No, I mean, I get it. Like, And it was good to have that perspective because she's right. Like, why, Like, what's the point of holding on to and complaining? In that regard, she's right. But it did affect me nonetheless, you know. And I, and I there's guess. times
1: when you, you can actually kind of go into it and process it and make meaning of it. And sometimes I think you could get stuck if you live your whole life trying to analyze every every bit of, experience and stimuli that would
0: suck i don't want to do that but (laughs) (laughs) which
1: goes back to the earlier point of like not always being so hard on yourself and being judgmental and critical
0: there's a balance with all of
1: it there's always a balance yeah it's well said
0: i agree and those are things that I've actually talked to you guys about, you specifically. I mean, we've had talks about that balance and like that pressure that I put on myself when I have downtime and I'm like scrambling to be like, okay, did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do this? Fuck, I did everything. And then you save an email that comes in when you're walking the
1: dog, so that you have something to do when you get back.
0: Absolutely, right? yeah. Because it's like I like constant productivity, which is why if I have taken care of all my work, I want to work out. That's like the right. next thing, or I want it, but. Over this, these past few weeks that I've been home from the m- most recent tour, I've been very, very particular and hard on myself about actually giving myself that downtime when I can. Okay. And it's been really good because I, I don't care about it as much and I'm not as stressed about it. And I'm still being just as productive mm-hmm. and I'm actually enjoying other things more because of that balance. And
1: then that could make you more effective when you're actually doing what you mean to say as quote being productive
0: right sure what's that story did you get to the point in the story or in um in uh tools tools of titans we're talking about the one dude who would ride his bike every day up and down the beach as fast as he could no okay no. well i don't want to say anything then since you haven't read it and dude, the it's 700 plus yeah pages. i have but i
1: haven't i haven't even gotten to, to tim Ferriss Tools it of it titans that's what yeah. we're Great talking tool. about yeah and all three of us have it uh, Matt said buy it, he read it on tour, He was and he took crazy notes. and He mm-hmm. had a lot of questions when he came home. Initially, we talked about a lot of the nutrition.
0: Yeah, a lot of it was nutrition-based. Yeah. And
1: even when you and I had first started talking and you had some things you wanted to take care of in the nutrition and fitness world, when we first got together, you were referencing The 4-Hour Body. Yep, And that's another book that I bought. And um, going back to the idea of trying to use your time wisely and having downtime and what to do with it, I've been struggling and I, and I had this hit yesterday in the last couple of mornings where my fiance has now switched over to night shift full time at the hospital. And when she comes home at eight in the morning, as I'm getting up, I'm, I was feeling a strain a catch 22 of like, well, I'm supposed to get up and start doing being productive, using my time wisely. But I was feeling this conscious, subconscious feeling that I'm supposed to like stay in bed with her and snuggle and hang out and do whatever, even though she's going to sleep. And it came to a head yesterday, it was only a couple of days that it took where I realized how it was affecting me. And there were a couple of other things that were affecting me. So I just said, hey, can you call me? And she was like, yeah. And so when she got a break at work, she called and I just explained it to her. Um, hey, I'm feeling this way. And she was like, and, and I knew once I said it to her, she would be like, oh, you're crazy. Don't feel like you have to stay here. Go be productive, do your thing. Cause I'm sitting there saying, I could go work out, I could be stretching, I could do the four, six, I should be reading, right? And I'm just sitting there. And the more I sit there and ponder about it, the more anxious I'm getting and I'm still paralyzed and not doing. And once I had the conversation last night, she said, okay, what are you gonna do about it? And I said, well, when I wake up, and that was this morning, I'm gonna make a new plan with this and a new plan with that, and I'm gonna start knocking off and crossing off the list of things that I wanna get done so that I can get to that state where you were, where you feel accomplished, and now you can just relax. Mm-hmm. You can actually relax versus like, oh, I have all these things I wanted to do. And I'm just feeling anxious about it and not yeah, doing that anything. Yeah, that just builds up. Right, right. And it was overwhelming. And I felt it yesterday. That's when I came downstairs and just started working out and said, now I need to come up with a better plan to make sure that even though I'm busy, I have free time, I need to use it wisely. Right. And there's a couple key things. One, that you have that self-awareness and you're paying attention to your body. Right. Right. You're feeling a bit more pressure, anxious or however you interpret it. But that's just your wisdom signal saying, hey, something needs to be dealt with or addressed. Right. And you have the communication with with, you know, with your fiance of where you can actually share that and trust that she's not going to be offended or defensive
0: about it. Right. And then. Within that, when do you find the balance, though, to have that time with each other where, where you're not hanging out at this awkward moment in both of your schedules? So, like, she's getting off work, going to bed. And I'm starting. You're waking up. Right. Are there times that you guys have also set aside where her schedule's open, your schedule's open, and that is blocked off for the two of you so that you don't have to feel guilty in the morning when you're trying to get up and she's going to sleep, you know what I mean? Like, like, did you guys also discuss what time is going to be for you? So it's not even an issue. So
1: recently we, we both were feeling like each other, we were working very hard. Um, we're renovating a house and so we're trying to stay on top of that as much as possible versus just falling into debt and putting everything on cards, which I think a lot of people end up doing. And in that, uh, we both kind of realized we're both working really hard and we're not finding as much of a balance. So again, it came back to what we talked about on the first podcast, communication in relationships and being honest and being able to express how you're feeling. And we both expressed how we were feeling and we don't want to forget about us making time for each other at least once a week or when we've confined those windows. So the way that we worked it out was, hey, when we both have a day that links up, I won't book any sessions or do any work there and we'll actually plan a night and go out. The other thing we've been doing is I've been setting aside when, um, when she wakes up and she has to go to work at 7, that I'll wake her up at 5, and we'll be able to spend the next hour and 15, hour and a half together, hanging out, talking, cooking, being with one another, and just having that good dynamic that people need. And just to clarify, you mean 5 p.m. 5 p.m., yes. Because she's
0: a nurse and she's working overnight. The night shift,
1: yeah, exactly. Okay, Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. So it's good. I wake her up at 5, which is her 5 a.m.,
0: essentially. Yeah, that's great commitment. It is. But, but
1: yeah. that's what she was used to. She was used to waking up at 5 and going to the hospital at 7 and working at 7 to 7, whether it's p.m. to a.m. or a.m. to p.m. But you weren't, and it's a matter of actually working right, together. for sure. And, and that's part of communication, but also just commitment. And right. It's, it's it takes work. It takes work. It takes yeah, I, I read that wrong on your end. But yeah, you're right. It is. It just takes commitment and making that time. And, and we've said this where Matt might say or someone else might say, hey, are you free then or can we do a podcast then or do something else then? I'm like, nope. And you have to be able to set those boundaries. That's been one of the – that was something that I think everybody will deal with many times in their life of being, whoa, too much. This is overwhelming. I need to set boundaries because you still need to take care of yourself first before you can give to everybody else. And that's what I was feeling yesterday, that I was giving, 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 and leaving myself as the last man. And it can't be that way.
0: Well, I think that's great. I saw that with the three of us this week, too. Mm -hmm. It's nice. We all, with each other, have that good sort of understanding of we're on the same team, so we're going to make time when we need to make time to do the shit we need to do. But if I'm really not feeling it or if Jordan's got something that's going on or you've got time with Carl Lee, Carly, Carl, Carl, (laughs) Carl's. (laughs) Yeah. Snarls. If you got time with Carly, we have to respect that and not really push. And I really appreciated that this week we were supposed to get together to do this podcast on Sunday and I just had a ton of stuff going on and I was also just not in the mental state to like shift what I was thinking about to come here and then just start talking with you guys. I was pretty like I was just mentally tired from a long day. And yesterday you had a long day too. And you're kinda like, I could do it, but the vibe maybe wouldn't have been as good as like having a clear head. Of course. Of course. No,
1: yesterday it was like very stressful for me. And so I kinda knew a few hours out from doing this, I'm not gonna be my best. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's not like there's this this intense time crunch of it needs to be done today. So And in other times where there is a time commitment and shit needs to get done, then you get it done because you have a commitment to it. But I know that the three of us, yeah, to your point, we've been understanding and flexible, but while still uh, maintaining a level of commitment to this project and to each other.
0: It, so have you guys um, seen the TED talk from the dude who has the wait but why blog where he talks about procrastination? No. I watched it the other night. It's pretty amazing. And Wait,
1: but why? That's the thing. It's yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. You say, I think you said that to me the other day, and for some reason I keep going to, yeah, but the Paul Heyman promo, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, whatever. It has Modern nothing to do classic. with it. Yeah. Well, wh- exactly. right. Thank you.
0: Waitbutwhy.com is, is a great website. Um, it's, it's a blog, and there's just tons of amazing information on there. But that being said, the guy who <clears throat> runs it, and his name is Escaping Me Off off the top of my head. I'm sure people will know who he is exactly. Um, he did this whole presentation at TED about procrastination, and the moral of the story was everybody's a, a procrastinator, but there's two different kinds of procrastination. There's the one kind that has a deadline, mm-hmm. and then there's the one kind that doesn't have a deadline, and the one which I'm
1: struggling with currently. Well, right. big difference.
0: The the one with deadline, <laughs> he says, um, the uh, basically you you get you get woken up by i forget the term this, this makes me look really stupid because i can't remember exactly off the top we of my head we can always put a
1: link for people to go check it out
0: yeah you should check it out but basically like when you have a deadline the deadline monster wakes up and like yells at you and he's like hey get this done and then you jump into to action to get it done and there's been you know? times
1: in grad school where i would wait until the last minute for a big project like a oh, man, you that's know 15 page research paper type deal and I would, it would be due Monday at 2. I wouldn't start it till that Friday before. And literally, there were many times I spent entire weekends working on something. But somehow, every time, it always got done within a half hour before it was due.
0: That's exactly what he talks about when he opens up the speech. You guys should watch it. It's, it's really good. I just the, gave it. Yeah, that was it. Well, But the sad part and what he realizes is that everybody is a procrastinator. But the people that don't set deadlines for themselves end up actually living with a lot of regret or guilt or negative feelings because it's like, I really need to do this, I should do this, and I'm down on myself because I'm not. But you're also, you don't have a deadline to get it done. It can happen whenever, so you keep putting it off, and that creates this personal resentment in a way. Which
1: I think is, so all of us have our own businesses where we don't have a boss telling us what to do, when to do it, giving us hard deadlines that we're responsible for So I've noticed within myself, there's been a lot of that other type of uh, procrastination. And I think that's more just based in fear. That's the resistance. It's fear of something. And maybe for me, as I'm trying to actually uncover it and work through it, I think within me, there may be even a fear of something really good happening because it could be taken away. You know what I mean? And, and I'm uh, still a bit fuzzy and like, kind of working through that, but I know there's a lot more that I could be doing to grow BeatWell, right? Uh, but I don't have a deadline. And I think why for people who set goals and do plans, a lot of uh, people who kind of teach or thought leaders in, in that space will say,
0: make a plan, set a deadline. For me, that's why in pretty much every endeavor that I have, I have partners, because partners, you, you hold each other accountable on right. things, right? And, we, that, and that's sort of what I was getting at. It's like, although we sometimes will postpone or change the plans, we all respect each other's time enough to get it done right. because we're all involved right. and we don't want to waste those other's time. And that's what happens in all of the, the projects that I'm in. I have partners, mm-hmm. and, I re- and you, you respect that time. And that, I, I think... For you, BeatWell really is an independent thing, mm-hmm. but you can always bounce stuff off of us. And if you need us to hold you to a deadline on something, I mean, I would do that. Do that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Which, and I would and take we started you guys talking up on that. that,
1: and that's really helpful, and I appreciate right. that. Yeah. And we started talking about that this week, just even not when I was here, having these same kind of conversations, just one-on-one or with the three of us. And I even would say, let's get Matt involved. I think he would be great to bounce some ideas off of because he's running so many things concurrently and finding that balance. But um, I feel like where you're coming from is the same thing. When, when I was running Goodman's Guitars, I felt like I would, had to have conversations with myself. It was harder. Uh, should I buy this? Is it going to be worth it? Do I want to invest that? Will I make whatever? And that can uh, be lonely. It was, And it's very lonely. And as a person who identifies as an extrovert, it it wasn't exciting. And it got to a point where I wanted to have more people involved, but it, what the operation wasn't big enough to have more people involved. So it's interesting now that for Matt and I doing a fitness endeavor together, we have two other people involved as well. And I really like that, um, versus our dad always taught us the, the horrible, he told, told us the horrible stories of having business partners and, and what it was, but the relationships that we have versus the relationships he was having is so different. Yeah. And so, and I prefer to have um, to not have to assume all that responsibility. Plus it kind of keeps you on the ball where I wasn't the other day. I really just felt like something needed to be done about something that we had worked on. And I didn't want one of the other members to have to assume all the responsibility and the grunt work. And I was like, let me just go in and copy edit some stuff and clean it up. And at least that's one step that I can uh, alleviate for someone else. And I felt really good about it, even though it wasn't hard-pressed or necessary. I just wanted to do it.
0: That's great. Yeah, and you did a good job. Thank I, you. I, and I you love did a great job setting all that stuff up. I mean, you set it up, and we well, knocked it, it down. It's teamwork, and, I, and the, I think the best teams, the individuals obviously make up the team, and it's the individual efforts that make the team a strong team or not. Right. And I think the people that I work with, thankfully, all have that sort of alarm that goes off in their head. Because with all of our, our projects, it's not always up to us when something's going to get done. Right. Meaning, like, if you're building your website, you, have to, you although you can give a deadline to someone who's going to build your website, they have their own schedule and procrastination. And although everybody in GGD has been raring to go with getting this update out to people, there's still hurdles and we're waiting on, you know, things to get developed and bugs to get fixed and things like that. So there's this downtime and what's cool is that everybody on the team, and I'm sure even with yourself, you, you would go to the developer or I go to my guys and I say, hey, just checking in real quick, in this downtime, is there anything that I can do to help? Even if you don't ask the question, you just kind of go through the, the communication and, mm-hmm. and just figure out if there's any holes or anything missing. That can sometimes be great because maybe you'll find something to do that is productive. If not... It goes back to that initial thing. It's like, if there's really nothing I can do and everybody's happy and we're truly in a, in a waiting pattern, then I'm going to go do something else productive or do something else that's going to make me happy. Right. So I don't dwell on it. Right. And wait. And like, patience. Patience is such a key. Waiting is different than being patient. I feel like waiting has a negative vibe to it, at least in my mind. Like, I'm waiting for something. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Versus I'm just going to be patient. Well, it's out of your control.
1: Yeah, and I, I think what's nice about your situation with the businesses that you're running, whether it's GGD or Periphery or doing stuff with something else, it's all passion related. It's all things that you chose to be part of. Now, Jordan and I do certain things, like I'm back in school uh, and some of the clinical work that you do, where we. I, I guess you you picked that, mm-hmm. right? And. Um, be, well, you're, you're choosing to do, obviously. So I guess most of the things you're, you're choosing to do as well, whether it's lessons or something else. For me, I guess I feel more of the procrastination can go to like the last hour with my school stuff because I'm not as invested where I want to finish it. I want to learn the information. But like you had said before, that I like to go past what we're learning to dive into something uh, a little more niche specific instead of knowing everything about everything. And it's, it's easier for me than to want to allocate my time to things that I'm more interested in, more passionate about, uh, Versus and, and leave some of that stuff for the last minute. Even though I, when I started the semester, I was like trying to be really gun ho Let me knock all these assignments out initially. But it didn't really feel that good or rewarding, so I'd rather just use that time towards something else and then come
0: back to it. That, that speaks to this idea of or the question of what do you do in the time where you have to be patient, right? Right. I would, I would tell someone that they should use that time wisely in one of two ways. Either to learn about something else that's going to help them with the big picture thing that they, in, you know, in which they're being patient. Or to do something great for yourself that's going to make you feel good and have a positive outlook on life so that when it is time to get back to work, you're feeling really good. Right. Right. And I see you doing this a lot where, you know, you're training yourself or you're training some you know, you're training me or, or other people. You're also studying for school, like you said. But then you will in your downtime, you're not just gonna like put on the TV and watch game shows or something like that. Though I love Jeopardy. Sure. Jeopardy is good. We
1: should play Jeopardy sometime. Yeah. I'm yeah. down.
0: But I'd rather us be working on something or you be working on something that's going to benefit everybody. Like, hey, I'm going to start training couples. I'm going to research a bunch of exercises that I can get couples to do. Because you know what? Maybe that's going to be a really cool angle for business one day. Maybe I can advertise that I'm a really good trainer for couples. And I had these great exercises to not only get people healthy, get yeah, paradiddle with diddle. fitness. No, 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 no. Like, not only to get people healthy, but people to get, like, to, to help build and strengthen a relationship between a couple, right? Right. Which, right. which I actually have, you know, have witnessed you do, and that's really right. cool. But you see what I'm saying? Thank it's you. like, fill your, use your time really wisely. I don't think, I think it's sometimes it's easier
1: said than done. And sometimes it's it because because you can fall into, and I'm guilty of this yesterday, I felt like I was falling into old patterns. And, and part of that was I was giving and I was enjoying my time with others when they were here, but then the nighttime would hit and I would go, and a big recurring theme for me over the years of running my own business was if I don't leave the house in the day, I have this weird sense of something right you know that about yourself and I knew that so you so I that, tapped right. into it and that was where yesterday it's 6 30 7 o'clock and I'm done for the day I wanted to train now it's getting later I want to eat dinner it's getting you know there's all these things that compound it and I said whoa what should I do and then the next thing I knew I went to like I, I eat some cookie dough instead which was not what I was looking for but I fell into like an old vice idea and it really just started. I went down this downward spiral of now like feeling bad for myself, and I needed to quickly snap out of it and make a new game plan. So I went to work out, and I felt really good, and I screamed and yelled and emoted it like crazy. And those
0: are activities
1: you're passionate about, for sure. And I needed that. And then I did. And what you German. know that it doesn't just feel good in the moment. More big picture, afterwards, you're gonna feel better about yourself for doing it. A hundred percent. Cookie and dough is great in the moment, but then you're going to feel like shit Mouth later. pleasure. And we've talked about going to flavor town or flavor country. Rather. Matt yep. talks about Matt goes there a lot. I'm not that good at it. So for me, it, it's a, a little bit more, it wasn't exactly what I wanted to fill some kind of void that I was missing. It was the wrong thing to choose, I guess. And, and I went with what Jordan had said as well. When, when he was feeling a certain way and, and he couldn't maybe express it or put it into words, um, he would go play his drums, and he would beat the shit out of them. So I went, and I put on freaking like every time I die and some bare tooth and a day to remember, and I played the drums. And I felt fantastic afterwards. I mean, I was ready to go do a couple things and relax and lay down and go to sleep and wake up with a whole new a whole new day. Like you just, figure out what works for you. Right. But going back to an earlier point, Matt, when you're talking about having patience because everything that needs to be done in the process is already going. You talked about having, you know, being in service of the big idea or the vision or something like that. And I think that's so key. And that's one of the things that I've really been paying a lot of attention to within myself more recently, because I know the times that I've been most successful in my life, whether in a certain band or really starting Beatwell, I've had a very clear vision of where I want to go. Now that can change and iterate as you kind of see what works and what doesn't work. But I know the clearer my vision is of where I'm trying to go, it's so much easier to not only get started but to know what to get started on, right? So for me, through BeatWell, I've been able to share it with all kinds of populations for all kinds of different outcomes. And at, at a certain point, I realized some stuff started feeling more stagnant for me or I'm paying attention to, am I thinking about the money during the work? So for me, it was trying to reignite a fire and really getting clear on what's my vision. Not only what do I want to be doing and where do I to what kind of lifestyle I want, but how do I wanna feel when I wake up in the morning? How do I wanna feel when I'm going to bed at night? So one of the things that I've been doing the past couple nights is writing down those things and then speaking it out loud to myself, in my apartment, and seeing if it resonates, if the words resonate for me. But not only that, it's, I kept repeating these words that I wrote down, but I kept saying it until I felt it. Mm-hmm. And I think once you feel it, once you capture the feeling of where you want to go, then your behaviors start aligning with
0: the destination. That's good. There's a lot of steps there, I think, too, though. And that's the hard part for a lot of people. One, everything that you mentioned that you're working on is a is a huge passion. And the vision drives what you do, and you're passionate about the vision. And yes, you may have to pivot and adjust here and there, but you're still passionate about that vision. So much so that you know you want to be successful, you know you have to basically set deadlines, but you also have to tell yourself how you want to feel when you do this kind of work. Right, And I I. That's the key. I've done the work and haven't felt great. Well, right. And a lot, of, a lot of people could benefit from, I think, trying to write things like that down or make a promise to a friend, like a, like a, a secret little bet, like, hey, listen, like, I'm going to check in with you every day and I'm going to tell you how I'm feeling and how I want to feel tomorrow. Or I'm going to write down my one main goal for the day mm-hmm. that's going to make me feel really happy, and that's... That's the one thing I need to do, you know? What's that website you talk about where you can set a goal and then, like... Uh, stick, dot com. Stick. Yeah, a, a dude, uh, his name's Jordan, who I went to high school with, actually started it. It's pretty cool.
1: I think this sounds like something similar. If you don't have a good friend or a good relationship with someone who can maybe hold you accountable to it, I think that would be a... Or even an app. I mean, can, there's apps the backup, where if yeah. you don't kind of stick to your thing, it'll take money out of your
0: account. But you can do this right. with yourself, to and this is what you and i spoke about jordan earlier this week was you were you were basically saying like you're going over this this uh scenario in your head over and over and over and over and over and it's making you feel anxious or stressed or whatever it is and i said to you hey, write down the yeah. pros and cons mm-hmm. write down the worst case scenario of of What's going on in your head? And then write down the best case scenario. And then ask yourself, are you going to survive? Are you still going to be able to be happy? And basically, like, at least what I would do is say, if it goes bad, what's my game plan to be happy? Right. And if it Which goes well, how am I going to celebrate? Right. And from what you've told me, it was really helpful to a degree.
1: And you know what was actually most helpful? Because I mean, there's been times throughout my life as both a teen and young adult where I journal or just write thoughts down, Uh, but I haven't done that in a long time uh, beyond when I'm just documenting my experiences to share with the public, but this is different, like a private journal, and I just kind of let it rip, and I wrote a few pages for maybe 20, 25 minutes, and I realized how healthy the process was for me in that by just getting it onto the paper, all of that energy was leaving me if I hadn't had put it on paper, it would just sit within me unexpressed and there was no way to make sense of it. Mm -hmm. Just getting it out, the process of it, of just doing that, I felt lighter because of it. And then I had more clarity to kind of deal with the reality of things going on and how I felt about it.
0: Some of my most productive friends have Post-it notes and a pen right by their mirror. Like that, they use like whether it's a bathroom mirror or whatever. But every day they write down certain things like that, or certain tasks, or mindsets, or reminders, and they stick them right on their mirror, because you can obviously take it off really easily once you accomplish the goal. Mm -hmm. But it it like it literally stares you in the face. Yeah, and you're forced to deal with either something you need to do, a deadline, or just a reminder that you know, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I want to do. I started doing that a little bit with the sort of, uh, this idea of like, what do I want to spend my time on? What am I passionate about that I am working on and how can I do that better? What am I not passionate about that I can completely cut out? Mm -hmm. And that's still something I'm really working through. And it's a, it's a, I haven't arrived at a conclusion yet, like fully, and hopefully we can talk about this further at some point when I have a better conclusion about my experience with this. But it's tough to to it's tough to cut something out that you were passionate about at one point that you still are holding on, just like a relationship. Like, you could be in a relationship with a girl and you're really, really comfortable and everything's good and nothing's bad, but you're just not fully there. And it's terrifying to think about letting it go because
1: there's, there's a death, in that there's a loss in that
0: there is but it's extremely productive to get good at learning how to say no to things or how to cut things out and i'm working on it and it's challenging but i but i like it so far i like the process of like being scared doing and then still being okay
1: and the more you do that you'll realize that you won't let fear or resistance win out right and and i think what you're talking about everything is just patterns Right. So when when you're doing something for so long, whether it's a relationship or a hobby or a thought pattern, once you have those patterns, you know, kind of the more you do it, the stronger it gets. So it takes more energy to one, become aware, hey, like this isn't really serving me anymore. And then it takes a lot of energy to change the habit. Right. And we've Mm -hmm. talked about habit changes and things like that before. Right. It takes a lot of energy to to do that. But it comes down to self-awareness. Does this feel good to me? Does this still serve me, even though it may have felt great and served me in the past? But we change, And because we change, our desires change, life circumstances change, uh, sometimes we have to have that self-awareness and realize, are our behaviors now mapping to what's you know serving us in the moment? Right? I think it's good that you have, um, what a lot of people are missing is at least you have a direct narrative of what you're searching for. A lot of people I think are just searching in the dark when they go to think about their thoughts or what they wanna write down or what they're maybe passionate or what excites them. And at least you can say something to the tune of like, is this serving me? Um, how could I be using this time more wisely if I wasn't doing that? That kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's good in, in that you have that direct narrative to say, hey, here's what I'm working on and here's what I want to be working on. So how can I find a balance between those two things versus just shooting fish, you know, like uh, in the dark where you can't see anything, but what you're kind of like a conversation, you're kind of opening there, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like what's your passion or find your passion. And, you know, I share with, uh, students at universities often, and a lot of times they'll come up to me afterwards and be like, Jordan, it's so cool. You found your passion. You know what to do. It's like, I don't know what my passion is. And I saw this talk, I think it's uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, and it was on, uh, on Oprah's network, where the, it was kind of like TED Talk-esque in the sense of here's an hour and here's snippets of uh, just different impressive people giving some sort of public presentation, some big idea. And hers uh, that I watched was something about, literally like, fuck finding your passion, right, because I think this whole narrative of find your passion, there's a lot of pressure in that, right? So there may be people that I'm sharing with who don't know what their passion is and they're like, fuck, what am I gonna do? And there's this pressure to find it. What I loved the way that she described it was, we all, everyone's different. And for her, she was maybe describing the metaphor of some of us are like bees that kind of pollinate all kinds of different flowers, right? And for her, it was more, instead of like, finding your passion, start by being curious and being open and trying different things and noticing within yourself, do I like this? Does this feel good? Does this give me more energy? And then once you start figuring out what that is, try something else maybe that's similar. And her thesis was that if you do that for 10 years, if you do that for 20 years, and then you do that for 30 years, towards the end of a career or a life, you end up just, it, like the passion finds you. That's good.
0: Where do you start with that, though? And Maybe she talks about this. I don't know. But, okay, I don't know what I want to do. I have no idea what my passion is. I'm going to try stuff. Do I try things? Do do I go through this exercise of writing down five things that I really like? Okay, I like food. I like hiking. I like drumming. You see where I'm going with this? Okay,
1: so just say music was eliminated from my existence, mm-hmm. right? Because music is the core. That is the North Star of what I do. If that was taken away, my advice would be when all what your... Would res- you do? What, uh, that, that's what I'm saying. When, when all my responsibilities are fulfilled, what do I think about? What websites do I go to? When I'm consuming media, where do I go? And for me, a lot of that would be pro-wrestling. Right. So for me, if music wasn't an option, I would most likely find some sort of way to monetize my interest in professional wrestling. And that could be starting a podcast and a website. It could be whatever kind of getting to more of like memorabilia. It could be actually trying to work within the industry on a creative end or even as a performer. But the idea is, what do you naturally think about? What do you naturally what do you attract it to? And that can at least be a starting point.
0: What if you tried that, though, and you hated it?
1: That's good information. You're paying attention, right? So, so some things, I may not want to work in that because I've known at times when I've been in bands for a long time, then it wasn't as, like, when I'd go to other concerts, the magic was gone because it became my business. Right, okay. I think he said it best before, and, and I've started to use this with, with friends uh, in helping them hone what their passion may be or getting closer to finding something that they're at least passionate about. Right. And you said it that, you know, and you probably may have gotten this from that, that lady that it's not necessarily about finding your passion. Because when you say that to people, that's too daunting. That might be too overwhelming. It's just finding things that really start to peak and spark interest where you go. Oh, wait, I like this. Let me explore that further versus. And, and that's really whatever the fuck it is, like, even if it's, you know, taboo, it's fucking weird, whatever. If you start to feel something, that little bit of a tingle that's like, oh, I like this and that feeling's good and that could be anything, I'm saying anything, explore it a little deeper. And then those around you, your loved ones, start to feel comfortable with sharing that stuff with them and communicating that to them so they can realize like, oh, this is what makes you tick. Like When you get up in the morning, you might be thinking about some of this stuff even though not all of it is, you know, the most PC or so, but but just just to clarify, like, I understand the idea of like, you know, not having to be PC about it, but I think it goes back to our earlier point with you and the cookie dough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you may get that tingle, but is it good for you in the long run, right? In in the sense of, of of not finding, you know, something that feels good, but it ultimately isn't serving you. And I think that's, it's just part of self-awareness and making that distinction. I heard someone recently say, um, and this is nutrition, food-related, because that's something that I struggle with, and, and you know, have dealt with uh, over the last like fifteen years or so, half my life. Um, for those few moments of whatever you're indulging in, and that can really be alluded to anything, right? Um, if you feel good in that moment, but then you don't feel good afterwards, right? Whatever that negative feeling may be, that's pretty much uh, the same feeling you would get if you were in a toxic. Uh, or an abusive relationship mm-hmm. that you feel like you love this thing but is it really serving you or loving you back and that was something that I I had a conversation with myself about and then I had with my fiance and I just said hey there are, there are certain, certain restaurants we go to certain um, foods that I eat that I necessarily I, that I generally just feel bad afterwards and it's very uncomfortable and then that turns me into a person that I don't want to be because I'm living with those feelings they're very visceral and then I feel like I, I can't be as loving or as productive or as great with everybody else. And even though I may like it in the moment, I have to say to myself consciously, I'm breaking up with it. Right. So whether it's, not it's serving me a relationship or a career path or whatever f- passions, it's it, still, still a context of making decisions for yourself and, and being
0: mindful, you know, and, and having that wisdom to know. You have to be willing to ask the question, to yourself too i just did this do i like this how do i feel now if it's all good keep doing it right if it's not good break up with it i wanted to go back and i'm not i'm not asking this question to grow you i'm asking this because i think there's a lot of people out there who might not even have a second passion like you do like wrestling so let's say you didn't have drumming
1: Mm -hmm. or wrestling
0: you didn't even have therapy Let's say you're making money in a shit job that you just don't like because you went to school and you got a, a gig doing something. Right. I don't even know what that is. But or you something. Can go to school
1: and you just have a job. Right.
0: Whatever it is, yeah. Whatever. Um, what would you do?
1: I would start saying yes to things. So if a friend says, hey, you wanna come check out this yoga class? Or hey, you wanna come to this whatever, uh, frisbee kind of deal, like an ultimate frisbee game, say yes to shit. And then ask, ask the questions, do I like this? What do I like about it? Well, maybe I don't really care about the Frisbee game, but it's really fun, like, being physically active in a competitive
0: environment. So what's another thing I can do? And, and it's really it, it just saying yes. Yeah, next thing you know, like, you get involved with a soccer league. Next thing you know, you get involved with another thing. And then it's like, wait, I like these things. I want to organize more. And then you become a league organizer, right? Sure. And that becomes your gig.
1: Sure, but it's just a matter of being right. open, Right and following like the kind of the, the bee kind of jumping from flower to flower and seeing what works and what doesn't. It it's funny that you bring that up because I had a conversation recently with one of our kind of cousins, the the youngest one. He's 20. He's at school. He's not really sure what he's doing. He doesn't know what to study. He has he doesn't he hasn't really found the spark yet. There's nothing that gets him going. And so I said to him pretty much like that Yes Man movie where he didn't really lead a fulfilling life. And the next thing you know, he goes to a seminar, starts saying yes to things. But he literally said yes to everything. But it always led him to something that made sense. And so I said to him, this, it, it's funny because it's, it's like we pulled the same words. I said to him, if your friend says you want to go to yoga class, be like, hell yeah, let's go to yoga. And if you hate it, so you never go again. Who cares? And you can try something for three months. You can try something for six months. And if you never want to do it again after you've put some time in, you know, if you set a goal and you decide you're going to do something, let's say, for three months, you try it, you see it through. If you don't like it, you'll never do it again. And that's what my coach in powerlifting had told me. And he told other people. And when he decided to do something for three months, he had all this reservation. And we pretty much used his own rhetoric against him and said, hey, it's only three months. If you hate it, you'll never do it again. He said, touche. And he went ahead and did it. Right. And I I think what's important, too, is about being flexible with ourselves in the sense of you can't frame it as if I have to find my passion because if you force it, will it come? Probably maybe. not. Maybe, maybe. But if you're forcing something, it's like, a of then it's not natural anymore. That's right. a lot of pressure on yourself.
0: Then people have to find other, th- something in their life though, that brings them some semblance of happiness.
1: For some people it could, it doesn't have to be the job is the whole thing. Sometimes it could just be earning money to take care of your family. And that's the passion. When when Absolutely. did you know for both of you? When did you guys know it was drumming? When was that when did that start to feel like
0: I can't even, Whoa, even this remember. Thing. I mean, I, just that's forever. just what it was. That's what I Yeah, and but I was very lucky to be to be born into a family with parents that were open right. to allowing me to do what I wanted to do and never once said, "Hey, you're not doing music. You need to get a real job." "Quote unquote." No one ever ever, ever said that to me and I think I'm very lucky to have that. I think you guys are in that same boat. For sure. And you stayed the course.
1: And to go back to my point of what do you think about, every day in high school, I wasn't paying attention to the lessons. I was there writing mock tours for my fictional band. Right. That's where my head was at. I, I didn't do sports after school because I wanted to come home and play my drums for an hour and a half with like a 15-song set list. hmm
0: so well, that's what right. I thought I think, about. I think, that's we, what I I think we've, all,
1: we've all been there, Yeah. Uh, know, the yeah. hypotheticals and like just sticking with it. But we were lucky that we got exposed at a uh, young age to all of these things that we had parents that were pushing us to try different things. And I think that's what maybe you lose as you get older. You forget about being a kid and just going and trying things. And if you look stupid, you know, you're know you feeling judgmental and all that so stuff. just like letting that shit go and just trying stuff.
0: So it's not – you're right. It's not about the the – mindset of I'm going to go find my passion because that is a lot of pressure. But there, there's I think there's an exercise that I've used that's been really helpful for me that has basically framed my whole life for the past however many years. And we kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago. I was showing you that diagram I made for my student. Um, and uh, I, I, what I did in, in this exercise, I'm, I'm going to briefly explain... Is to simply make two lists, or like even make a Venn diagram, right, and see where there's this overlap. But in like the one side, you list all of the things that you're really good at. And this is where a lot of people have trouble because a lot of people aren't really good at being confident and saying, "I'm good at this. I have self confidence in this." So ask a
1: friend. Well, but uh, but not everybody has that. But not everybody has that either. Ask Uh, for that.
0: But I guess the point is, you guys remember, look. No one's going to read this thing but the person who's right. Like, but you. Mm-hmm. You're one person. You're going to make this list. It's this private little piece of paper no one else is going to see. So when you ask yourself, what am I good at? Be really honest. Mm-hmm. And list as many things as you can. This is not the time to be modest. This is the time to say, this is what I'm awesome at, and I'm the most awesome person on paper in the world. Mm-hmm. Do that. And then on the other circle, write what i what do I really like? What are my interests? Right? So it can be wrestling, drumming, sports, video games, therapy, uh, getting online and reading food blogs, whatever it is, those are the things that I like to do. And then in the middle of the Venn diagram, you just start put, putting things that would relate from right. the things you're really good at to the things you like to do. And all of a sudden you start seeing all these options. Well, Wait a minute. I'm... I'm actually really good at cooking food and I really like and I'm really good at writing and I'm also really interested in food blogs. Well shit, I could, go, blog, yeah. right, I could go I could go buy a bunch of food with my ideas and make recipes and then write about them and talk about what's good and what's not. I could go to restaurants and be a food critic and do it my own way because I'm also really good at um I'm really good at, at Drawing comic sketches, and I'm gonna my food blog is gonna be me drawing pictures of this dude eating at a table and his reactions to explain whether it's good or bad. I don't know, I'm just riffing, but but,
1: but the time and place that we live in now with social media and you know relatively cheap internet and the technology and the being technology being so that's good. available, there is no gatekeeper anymore. And so, since you can theoretically connect with you know billions of people in the world who can be a potential consumer or fan
0: or follower of what you do, you can get that niche. Right. The moral of that, and sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're no, no, say no. Something. no, go for it. Just a brief, brief statement. Yeah. I think the moral of that is when you actually combine more of your skills with more of your interests, you become more unique. Yeah. Because you have this skill set that maybe no, no one else has. And if you capitalize on that and put the effort into that, you're going to do stuff that you really like you're going to do the stuff that you really like, that you're really good at. And you're probably going to create something that's brand new that may have legs.
1: So if you're listening and what Matt's talking about resonates for you, I highly, highly recommend uh, the book Linchpin by Seth Godin, okay. G-O-D-I-N. Yep. Uh, when I started getting the, the idea of beat well, this book came to me at the right time. And really the tagline is, are you indispensable? And it gave me a blueprint to, to figure out how can I put all these unique interests and strengths and talents that I have together in a way where no one can replace me. It may be time then for you to like revisit that because I remember you would write certain, like we were talking about the sticky notes, you would write certain things down, you would put it on your, your tack board and you would look at that, right? And now that you're trying to reinvigorate that same spirit to take Beatwell to the next level, maybe it's time you go back to something that did cause uh such a great spark revolution in you that made you want to go do it you go back and revisit parts of it and find some of the same fire that might be the step that propels you from like one to two yeah absolutely right? and yeah. for me it's i don't know it's we, we coming did... together but it's more what is the what is the clearer vision of what i want to do with the potential of Beatwell, right. which i'm starting to get clearer about and now that i've created a bit more of a vision of the types of people I want to work with, and the types of programs I want to share, I'm back into that hustle mode I was five years ago where if, if, if it makes sense, I'm doing this shit for free, but now I'm documenting it. And, but it's very more narrow of I'm going to document this stuff so I can attract those same types of opportunities.
0: Maybe something that would be great is to actually assign some homework to ourselves. And if anybody who's paying attention wants to do this too, this would be, to be great. Yep. So... We're all on our paths. We're pretty confident in what we're doing. It never hurts to revisit this exercise, right? So maybe the homework that we do is we all go and we refill out our Venn diagram Mm -hmm. of what we really are great at and what we really like to do, and we just look at it. And we may find that we're doing still exactly what we want to be doing, and that's awesome, and I hope that's the case because we're spending a lot of time on the stuff we're doing. But if it's not... That'll also be an amazing wake up call. Absolutely. Holy shit, what can I, what it, what's not in this thing that was before, or what's here that wasn't here before? And that could be really telling. And I, I kind of have this inkling that you I may. want to do it. Well, I want to do it, but. Why don't we all, why don't we just set
1: a goal that we're going to do this by, we'll probably do another podcast in a couple of days. Why yeah. don't we say we're going to do them? And, I mean, don't put all the thought in the world into it, but just write down whatever comes naturally to
0: you. It might take
1: five minutes. might take 15 minutes. Then we'll bring it here and we'll start discussing it.
0: Yeah, and if you feel like this makes sense, put all the thought in the world into it. Right. Do and, it. And, and if, because really, it's your what, life. what's it's
1: thick, it's your life. It's your life. Right, for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's something that I know I, I call my dad, and he talks about the some of the glory days. You look in the mirror and you're feeling great, you know, and as you get older, you're kind of missing some of that. I think some of that might, all, might also have to do with just maybe regret for not – not um, honoring that time as wisely as he could have been and whatever it is. And I know a lot of people live with that kind of regret, which yep. you don't need to do. So it's a great uh, motivator to say, let's do the Venn diagram. And then let's come here and discuss it. And let's make sure that for each of us to check each other as, as such good friends and communicators, Hey, are you on the right path? Are you connecting all your dots? And, and are you making sure that you're following all of your path, you know, not or your passionate ideas?
0: I know I have new interests that I didn't have the last time I did this exercise, so okay. I'm excited to see. What I'm excited to see is if, in some way, if I even need this exercise okay. anymore because I've because over the time of starting my own things, I've gotten really good at starting things mm-hmm. and being a little bit more intuitive to what I like and what I'm good at and putting them together. So I'm just excited to do it because I want to see if I'm already executing on the things that I kind of think that I will write down, right? but again, I'm kind of excited to see if there's like this big hole that I'm like, holy fuck, I'm missing something.
1: And I think the fact that you're excited about an exercise like this, Matt, it it tells a lot about you and kind of reasons why you have been very successful. And I think if someone's listening and they think about doing an exercise like this, and it just feels like work, or even if it feels kind of scary, I think honor that and, and actually lean into that, because if you feel some resistance or fear, then I think that's a signal that this is really important for you to consider. Mm-hmm. That's good. Let's do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I'm think that would be good. So cool. we'll, we'll circle back on this. I think this is a really good place to wrap um, I it, need to give a couple shout-outs of things that I thought about yesterday. And it is okay.
1: it is relatable. Yeah, any, um, any last- Yeah, so, I, so, stuff. Go so, for it. so uh, Sam Silverman, who's a mutual friend of ours, put a thing out yesterday on Facebook saying, hey, you guys should check out the, the live stream for the warp Tour announcement. And I randomly clicked on it almost an hour in, and there was this band playing. Yep. And I was pretty pumped for them because uh, it's a band stacked like pancakes. Mm-hmm. You ever well, so I can say
0: a lot about this,
1: right? But I mean, but to keep it brief, yeah. right? To keep it brief, shout out to Kevin the drummer.
0: Well, so let me let me have my all moment right, wait, here. All right, let me
1: say my piece, then you say your piece. Okay, here's the cool thing. Um, Jordan and I went to Towson University and we played Tiger Fest, and it was for me the coolest experience of going to college the first time around. We played this cool show, that meant the most to me. The next year, I was asked to be a judge, and there was a lot of just whatever, generic kind of bands. And then there was this ska band, which felt like like I haven't seen or heard of a ska band in many years. And I gave them a perfect score. And they won, and they went on to play Tiger Fest. And now fast forward a couple of years later, they've been sticking to their guns, whatever they're passionate about, and even though they're playing a genre that's not the most popular anymore, they stuck with it, they met the right people, boom, they're playing the freaking warp Tour. Mm-hmm. That's got to be you know one of the ultimate goals for a yep. band like that. So, fuck yeah for them. And to give context, Sam is their manager. Sam is their manager, yes. And Sam was, I think, the one who maybe picked me to be the the judge as well that year when she she wasn't working with them. Um, I also want to say quickly that uh, War on Women, those, uh, Shauna and Brooks, who, the guitar player and the singer of that band, uh, are wonderful people. Like, no one deserves an opportunity playing the whole Warp Tour more than them, and they've been doing this stuff for years, so they really stuck to their guns of what they're passionate about, what they love, and fuck yeah, that's awesome. So I was pumped about that. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't be prouder of Kevin Gorin, who is known as Kevin the Drummer Online. He's drummer. And I'm not
1: surprised he's having success this early. I'm not right either.
0: Um, he's hungry. Kevin has been my longest standing student. I started working with him when, I don't know, he'll probably correct me on this, but maybe when he was like eight or nine, maybe a little bit older. Uh, But I have seen him find his passion at a very young age, and completely stay the course, and go through tons of adversity with it, tons of different challenges. And I'm just I I don't know. It's just awesome. Yeah, I was taking it's pictures so cool. and sending
1: little clips of videos of him when he was in the shot to you. Yeah, like yo, check this out. I don't care what you're doing. Check this out. And, and he's he d- so easy to root for. He knows he's how so I easy feel to root about for him too. That's, that's really uh, that's I think the best thing to say. Because you can root right. For him.
0: And and this is what I, if he doesn't know that this is how I feel, it couldn't be happening to a more genuine dude. Yep. Kevin is he's genuinely a sweet person. He genuinely cares about others. He is very, very open to learn how to do things the right way for other people. That's great. As much as it's right for himself. And speaking of saying yes to things, I've watched him say yes over and over, and I've watched him say no because he's realized what he really cares about and where he's going to be the happiest. And it's just, he's a great example of, 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 what can happen when you start saying yes, but when you also seek advice from people that are, okay, let me, let me go back one second. Kevin has made a point to take lessons, to watch uh, educational videos, to go to different classes with so many different people.
1: He needs to do this podcast Pardon? one time because he is the model for a lot of
0: things we're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. I'd love to have him on yeah. there. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, I mean, so he's literally taken lessons with both of us, mm-hmm. you know, at different times. He's taken lessons with my buddy Carlito, with Matt Garska, with Luke Holland, with the Noob Sastry, all these great drummers.
1: He's helped me with like four Beatwell gigs just to learn how I do that.
0: Yeah. And it's just he's a sponge and he's, he's open. He's the model. It's he's very impressive. He's open to learn. And what's so cool about it is I, I know some people that would. Like kind of be in his position and be kind of cocky about it, and he's the most humble, modest dude I I know in that position. And he I think he's aware that he still has a lot of a lot long way to go, but he's someone who's truly enjoying the journey mm-hmm. and has worked his ass off. Yep. And, and, he's not to, and he's not even twenty one yet. And he's not. And he's and he's taking advantage
1: of a lot of it as well. Where he's he's I've seen side cam footage of him filming himself playing the whole entire set. He puts it out there and then him doing instructional stuff. And I was like, and he's got, he's got chops. He's super good. He's totally. learned from great people and he's staying the yeah. course. And he's, it's, I mean, it's awesome. He's young and he found it at a young age, but it doesn't mean that when you're 30, 40, 50,
0: 60, that you can't still go forth and do the same thing. I give him such a hard time for fun now. And like, I always have been a little bit hard on him, per, like purposefully at times. Because I I never want him to feel like he's fully made it to some level. Like you always have to climb the mountain. And the people, the mentors that I've had, who I respect the most, ha- they give me little hints of, that's awesome. But mostly it's like, yeah, that's awesome, but you Take still have this to you. do. Right. Right. And and I mean, he knows that. I've told him that, and we have a really good rapport because of it. But when it's time to get serious, he knows how to work hard, mm-hmm. and I'm really. Moral of the story is, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. I'm really proud of Kevin. He's going to encounter so many great things. He's doing most of the Warp Tour this summer. Um, what yeah, well, a great experience to have and at such a age. young age. Yeah, sure. I yeah. mean. And we'll be watching and supporting it, as Jordan
1: said. We'll be rooting for him for and, sure.
0: And he knows he can come to, he can go to so many people if he runs into problems and ask questions. And that's great. It, it's not a cop out to ask people who have done things before you about those things. It's great it's to. Wisdom. Figure, it's wisdom. And it's a great thing to, to figure out for yourself, but you know, I think Warren Buffett is the one who says like, read books that <laughs> other people wrote based on their mistakes, right. so you don't have to make the same mistakes over and over. Yeah, you learn from them and you learn from their mistakes. And I don't know, that's maybe that's something maybe I see Kevin do all the time is he asks questions. He's not afraid straight. to say, Hey, here's what I'm thinking. How do I do this? Or here's the offer that I got. Should I take this? Yep. Totally ask those questions to the people that you look up to. It's it's a, it's just great. I don't maybe, know, anyway. maybe if we all decide
1: we'll, we'll go to the Warp Tour to support him, go see him play. I'll be there. Right, I'll be there. Yeah. That maybe we take some gear and we go and we do a little podcast with him and you know get his thoughts. Yeah. Even though I'm he sure he just going come here. Busy. He lives or right he, down the
0: street. That's true. He can just come here. Yeah. We don't oh. need to. We, believe me, we don't want to bring any extra gear to the Warp yeah, Tour. Yeah, true. It's that's just, true. We just have a
1: little field recorder. There's plenty of, like. of gear there. Whatever. My, my last little shout out because I was going through that thing last night. Shout out to Snarls whatever else you want to call her, uh, just for, You're for about Carly. Yeah. For Carly. Yeah. Fiance, just because, um, communication is such uh, a, a crucial thing and something that we are going to talk about all the time and the relationships that we have and being open, uh, and just being able to say whatever you want. And, and I was just really glad that I had someone like that. Plus I knew I'd be talking to you guys today that I went through some stuff yesterday and it was very easy to alleviate it and get it off my chest and then make a plan and move on. And that was huge. So, Thank you guys, and thank this platform and medium for being here, uh, which is wild, the world we live in. And uh, I think to I think wrap it, it I want to cool. shout out anyone yeah, listening right now. Yep. And I just want to say, it this far. be kind to yourself and do what feels good.
0: On that note. See you guys later. Peace.